0: With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Chris, once again, we are honored by the presence of The Economist from Birch Gold. And he's been with us several times now. Philip Patrick is here, and uh, he has a lot of explaining to do. I don't understand what's going on in these markets, and I've been looking at them for 30 years. So Philip is going to straighten us out and explain all the problems going on. Philip, welcome to our program again.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's an honor as always.
0: Very good, Philip. I want to start off with uh, talking a little bit about the Fed uh, because they are big in the news not only this week but eternally. It's been the Fed has been an issue. Uh, A big issue since 1913, certainly since the middle 30s, certainly since 1971, and all the tragedies that have occurred with our dollar. Uh, but this week was very, very active, and they were doing things, and, and uh, I thought it was fascinating. They said that uh, they would lower the rate of uh, de- decrease, uh, uh, of uh, increase in the interest rate, because their solution to a weak economy is raise interest rates, and uh, the whole thing is fallacious. And I wanna address the subject, and you're good at this, is um, where did they get this authority? Is it a good idea that we think and so many trillions of dollars depends on a few words by a Federal Reserve like, oh, next week we are going to do this. And boom, boom, boom. The money exchanges. I, I just think, uh, you know, it's a, a rather fragile system. But uh, tell us what you thought about this week. Uh, did you get any reassurance that we're on a ro- road to recovery and everybody's going to be happy next year? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, sadly, not, Dr. Paul. It was a, a little bizarre. I mean, the Fed, this Fed telegraphs uh, more so than other Federal Reserves have, um, and I think most people were expecting a 50 basis point rate hike. But it was a little surprising or a little strange, I should say. The whole point of these rate hikes ultimately is to lower inflation. And rates hikes now are slowing, even though inflation isn't really right. We've seen a small reduction in overall inflation, right? It came down from 7.7 to 7.1. But when you delve into the numbers, it gets a little bit more concerning. So core inflation, which is everything outside of food and energy, uh, was up about 6% year over year. The only metric within core inflation that reduced was used cars and of course that's because prices had gotten so high they had to come down outside of core inflation it was energy that saw the real reduction about 1.6 percent food prices however up so what it's showing us i think is that the fed really don't have a handle on inflation (laughs) right what's come down energy and used cars what's gone up the essentials food shelter so taken all together i think the fed have a lot of work to do and of course the strong employment numbers we're seeing i I think it's still working against them
2: uh
0: chris uh, do you have a question for
2: philip yes philip great to see you again um i wanted to talk about inflation targets because it's so ridiculous even that uh the idea that targets exist Mm -hmm. i mean nobody gave the fed any taxing authority over us whereas Mm -hmm. they want to steal 2% Two percent of our purchasing power, as a matter of fact, you know, and that was for years. Oh, we want to get two percent, two percent. Then it shot up to it's probably fifteen percent now. Correct. Uh, and now they're just talking about oh, we just need new targets, new higher targets. I mean, so I thought of an analogy. What if the government, you know, and we believe that the income tax itself is theft, you know? So if we pay thirty-five percent income tax, and one day they just take seventy-five percent. Would we just accept, oh, sorry, we, we overshot this year. Uh, we'll, we'll try to bring it down to 50. I mean, can you just talk about this whole charade called inflation targets?
1: I mean, it's absurd, right? Particularly when you can just move the goalposts. It's like me not achieving our company's targets and saying, well, let's just lower the target. That way we achieve it. It's nonsensical. Look, the Fed, as you know well, have a dual mandate to maintain maximum employment and and that 2% target for me it's not going to be achievable for the foreseeable future. I think the, the Fed are really pinned into a corner here. They can raise rates, and they, I think next year when the reality that they really haven't got a grip on inflation kicks in, they're gonna to have to get more aggressive with the raising of interest rates. But the problem is, we've discussed before, I don't know how aggressive they can, and it has a significant effect on the federal government. Let's not forget with 30, win, uh, $31 trillion in debt, every time the interest rate goes up, that adds $310 billion in in debt service. That alone accounts for a massive category of government spending. A 1% raise equates to our Medicaid outlays, 2% our defense spending, which is colossal compared to other nations, and 3% Social Security. I don't think they're going to be able to raise rates enough to really slow the inflation. And I think the 2% target is a pipe dream for a long, long time.
0: Uh, very, very good, uh, Philip. Uh, you know, the uh, timing of all this is, is a big problem because uh, the markets move quickly. So the Fed only has to say a couple words and the markets can shift and trillions of dollars can be bought or sold or whatever. So it doesn't make any sense. And uh, I think one of the basic problems is this idea that you can plan an economy. You could raise interest rates at a certain point and then you know what's gonna happen and they make these calculations and so now when somebody gets a PhD in economics, they have to learn these mathematical equations that's going to perceive the human action of billions of people who are dealing in the market. And so what, what the Fed does, of course, is the best thing, for, and they can get away with it as long, oh, well, keep interest rates low, and prices aren't going to go up immediately, and uh, the people love it. But that, that locked into place that so someday that artificial manipulation of in interest rates is going to give us you know this downturn which which always comes but then they're in a dilemma the downturn occurs and they achieve their two at least their 2% uh, price inflation that they want and it turns out to be 10% of price inflation, and then what, what do they have to offer? Can, can they recalculate? No, the market is more powerful than they are, so the, the, they, what, what they do is they say, the only thing we can do is stop this boom that we created, give the people a recession or depression, that'll solve our problem. How crazy could that get? <laughs>
1: I mean, it is absolutely absurd. And we've seen this. Listen, Federal Reserve policy, quantitative easing, you know, government spending has driven massive bubbles in the economy right and the old saying is what goes up must come down particularly when that growth was not driven by fundamentals it wasn't driven by earnings it was driven by policy and i think the point you made earlier was absolutely spot on look at what we're seeing in the markets now markets are rallying on the back of federal reserve minutes right they're combing through looking for any sort of (laughs) dovish words, right? And the markets respond on the back of it. Since when did Federal Reserve minutes become more important than earnings reports? Like that's how crazy things have gotten. And for me, this is classic late-stage bubble behavior. Uh heading into next year, I think we start to see this bubble unwinding and it could get tough. Very
2: speaking good. The bubble. Uh, Chris, sorry Dr. Paul. Yeah, speaking yeah. of the bubble, uh in the past when the Fed wants to uh Pop the bubble that it created. If you go back to .com, the housing bubble, they would raise rates until something finally breaks. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like they're doing that again, uh, waiting for something to break, but nothing major—at least in America. You know, we've had some crypto uh, problems, uh, but no major dominoes have come down. And you know, everybody speculates: How can this market now keep stay up? You know, the Fed just keeps raising into it. And it's, you know, one of the speculations, and I tend to think along these lines, is that uh, because Europe is in such bad shape Mm -hmm. that money has to go where it feels safest. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's probably flowing into the United States and into the dollar and into our markets. So when something major breaks, do you think it will be in Europe?
1: I mean, Europe's falling apart, quite frankly. and, And you're correct. I think, you know, a lot of the dollar strength we've seen, over the last few months has really been by proxy it's been on on the back of weakening of other other currencies but You're right, the Fed has a really tough task, right? What they're trying to do right now is to kill demand, and it's not really working. The the, the Fed has raised the effective uh, interest rate 400 basis points over the last year, and it hasn't really slowed consumer spending that much, which is about two-thirds of of US GDP. It's the bulk of the story for the US economy. So it's left us in the position today of too much money chasing too few goods and services. It's a tough position. Um, Could Europe be the catalyst for broader correction? Well, uh, broader sort of recessions across the globe. Absolutely, uh, I think they have big, big problems. As do we. theirs may be slightly bigger than ours at the moment. But you know, for me, it's 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 really interesting because we're in a position now where, you know. We have to combat inflation by killing demand, by forcing a recession. But there's another way to combat inflation, which is of course increasing supply. And that for me is another failure of leadership. This was an opportunity that the Biden administration has. Listen, the US used to manufacture things, right? We used to make things. We've lost 91,000 factories, 5 million manufacturing jobs. Our destiny is out of our hands. And and that for me is another side of the problem that not too many people are talking about today. But for me, what we need is some good leadership. We start need to be making some some fiscally responsible decisions. It's not happening at the moment and it's creating a big problem.
0: You, you know, we, we talk about uh, the dollar and we talk about gold. Gold is the real money, but the dollar reigns as the king still of the world, even though it's being, uh, being challenged. In the last probably a year or so, especially when the rates uh, started to uh, go up because they were artificially low and people knew they would start up. But uh, as the rates uh, went up, it drew money and uh, some dollars away from gold, and gold tended to go down. It's still uh, related to that. I mean, on a daily basis, you might see this. You know, if uh, if the uh, rates, uh, if the rates are going to go up, and that's where the Fed sends very confusing information. Uh, you know, once some, one thing is happening, and they're doing something opposite to it, and it's sort of that is just practically impossible. But uh, right, right now though, I what my. Th- theory is that eventually, yes, interest rates are very, very important on, on gold, but as I recall watching what happened in the 70s, it wasn't the whole thing. We ended up with very high interest rates and very high gold prices. So uh, do you think about that connection one way or the other? And uh, Do you agree that the dollar, uh, you know, the interest rates is dominating some decisions, but maybe there'll be a lot more uh, fed into the system than just that?
1: Absolutely, yes. And, and, you know, we saw gold up until the last couple of months dip off on the back of major market downside earlier in the year. And a lot of times when, when stocks drop, right, and when, as you mentioned, other currencies are getting hit worse than the dollar, a lot of people flood to dollars. It tends to be short term, right? After the crash in 2000, we saw a strengthening of the dollar that lasted two or three months before it corrected down. Same thing in 08 right and you know everyone thinks about 2008 they think about gold prices going through the roof what they forget initially gold dipped about 30 percent on the back of a stronger dollar and then it went parabolic but um i definitely see parallels today from the To the 1970s, that was the last time we had a climate of stagflation. And I think one of the big drivers for gold, obviously, was the inflationary piece, right? As inflation rises, it drives gold and silver up. They are, at the end of the day, intrinsically, they are commodities. So by definition, as inflation rises, it drives them up. The other thing about the 70s is there weren't too many options, right? Stocks were coming down. Housing was coming down. So it drove a lot of safe haven demand to gold. And gold grew tenfold between the 70s and the 80s. Let's not forget something. In the 1970s, we had more options than today because at least in the 70s, you could put your cash in the bank and beat inflation getting 16 17%. We don't even have that today, and I think, you know, I talk to people a lot. I think we've got a very conducive climate for gold in terms of the nature of our problems, but I think the other side of it is a lack of viable options out there. Mm. for me, precious metals are the way to weather this storm.
2: Right. Chris? Dr. Paul, this will be my last uh, question. Uh, I wanted to make a comment about birch gold because we value our relationship with birch, um we love having Philip on from time to time but uh, me personally I'm the one that deals with the company behind the scenes and I do want to say that these are from everyone that I've dealt with they are a bunch of professionals it is a pleasure to deal with them and and I'm glad that we have our partnership um but uh, the question I wanted to get to is a lot of our viewers some in our comments we will say, you know, we we love what you have to say about gold. We everything you're saying is true, but it's just too expensive. You know, we don't have the money to buy gold. So I wanted to get what your thoughts on that, Philip. And I also wanted to say, you know, this week, uh, the price of silver has gone up substantially. Uh, so what are your thoughts and how do you handle uh, people that, you know, they think that gold is just out of their reach?
1: Look, you know, gold uh, as a price per ounce today is about 80 times the price of silver. So, you know, in terms of dollar amount, it's a sizable chunk of change. In terms of value though, I think gold is still cheap today, right? In that respect, in the sense that, look at where it was in 2011, gold was 1,960 an ounce. Today, you know, over a decade later, we're trading below that level. So it constitutes a good buying opportunity. But you are right, look in terms, you know, Thousands of dollars is a lot of money. Silver, for me, is a very good alternative. Price per ounce, very, very low relative to gold, right? Spot price is around $26 today. And really interesting from a growth perspective, silver is actually very undervalued relative to gold. Historically, they traded around 16 to 1. Today, they're over 80 to 1. Post-70s, 30, 40 to 1 is about normal. So silver is really cheap. It's also used a lot, right? Industrial consumption is rising. Solar technology, electric cars require it. So silver's a very interesting alternative to gold and a very interesting growth play today. So I would say to those listeners where gold is maybe out of reach today, look at silver. Very interesting alternative. You know, we talk
0: a lot about the various things in the economy that will affect the dollar and and, and gold. And uh, under a gold standard, we wouldn't have enough activity to do because we would probably say gold is a stable currency and we can and we can define it. And as long as you have free market pricing, it works pretty well. But that's not the case. We have this interventionist uh, economy and they have to weigh things like earlier we talked a lot about interest rates, how how that affects it. But, uh, you know, if you look at just the the uh, the CPI. Uh, that, that's uh, that's pretty important if it's up and down. Sometimes when it goes up, gold goes down. I keep thinking, oh no, when the CPI is going up, the, the gold ought to be going up. Eventually it does that, but on the short run, the interpretation might be different. Also, the value of the dollar on an international exchange market, and Chris touched on the The dollar is very, very strong compared to the other ones, but maybe the other ones are just very, very weak, In anticipating... You know the, the, what the dollar is going to do. I think is a, a major challenge to the people who are in and out of the currencies. But the dollar, the dollar. It's interesting to see and try to speculate uh, what and when will it happen. And I'll tell you what. I don't think it's very easy. That's why I like stable definitions. I want people to know what the the, the definition of a currency is. And uh, interest rates. We've already talked about the interest rate. But the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet. it was a big deal in the 70s and has been a big deal already and that is oil uh and 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 and, you know saudis it's uh it's it's not the same as it was in the 70s but we had oil skyrocketing and boycotts and oil went from a couple bucks a a barrel up uh you know huge huge amount increases and that always the oil went up gold went up it kept doing this and uh, right now we've had Uh, at the beginning of this uh, downturn and this inflationary siege that we're under, uh, you know, the uh, oil prices did go up, up to over $100. Tell us a little bit about how you look at these oil markets, because, you know, basically, if you look at the fundamentals over a period of time, uh, my impression would be, well, the oil prices are going to go up. But there are variables. Right now, gold is Goal, I mean, oil is significantly down from a peak, uh, you know, a few months ago, but uh, what, what's your opinion what's going to happen in the oil market?
1: Look, oil is an interesting one. We've seen a reduction in in oil prices, as you rightly point out, but it was basically on the back of oil prices, absolutely skyrocketing. Uh, a lot of it depends on, on policy, right? Let's see what happens in, in the elections in 2024. If we start pushing domestic, you know, we could see a reduction in oil prices nationally. But. You know, long term, I think prices just go up in general. I think this inflation, everything that's happening in Russia, obviously, the Europeans are struggling massively on the back of surging gas prices. All this does is create more economic uncertainty. Economic uncertainty at the end of the day is good for safe haven assets and I think ultimately good for gold. (laughs) Look, you know better than me, Dr. Paul. But in my lifetime, certainly looking at the state of the global economy, looking at the decisions being made geopolitically, I haven't seen a better climate for gold, right? We talk about our global reserve currency. We talk about the Saudis. I think there's been a lot of political blunders. China right now, Obviously, speaking with the Saudis about trading oil outside of U.S. dollars, we have BRICS nations pushing to set up a global reserve currency uh, to rival the dollar. Obviously, I think that's Things like that tend to happen at a glacial pace. But for me, the trajectory that we are heading into as a nation is very, very concerning. And we're getting very close to the point of no return. Like I said, this for me is a problem of leadership. And I think if we can get a handle on that, we can change the trajectory. But either way you look at it, we have a tough storm to weather. And I think precious metals are about the only way to weather this storm.
0: Very good, I'm gonna close pretty soon, but I do wanna bring up a subject that's in the news uh, even yesterday dealing with uh, the federal budget, it tends to be excessive, I would agree, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit high, but anyway, they passed an emergency bill for, it's going to last a week, uh, by that time it'll be a couple days before Christmas, then there'll be more arm twisting and they're going to try to pack it in, it's uh, yeah. it's, it's just, uh, you know, criminal what they do up there, because it affects yeah. uh, the American po- uh, pocketbooks. but uh, last night they, they got this passed, uh, in the Senate, the House has already passed 850 Fifty-eight billion dollars. Talk a minute about. A lot of people say, "Well, the spending is inflation." Well, there's a yeah. relation. There's a relationship there, but uh, we have to have a Fed to deal with that and turn it into inflation. But uh, and that to me seems like the the real dilemma. And I'm sure you've given that some thought so, and pay attention to some of these deficits that don't seem to be going to go down anytime soon.
1: Yeah, listen. Look, look, not all spending is is bad, right? But sadly, wasteful spending is absolutely inflationary, and and this is, this is a point that I stress often. The Federal Reserve have a job to do, but that job will be impossible if we keep running massive deficits. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? And 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 the. The problem like i said is the nature of the spending it is very wasteful this is not a time to be building bridges to nowhere this is not a time to you know be paying down student debt this is a time to be hunkering down pulling money out of the economy and getting through tough times and this for me is the big issue and like i said it's it's the nature of that spending. Sometimes debt spending can generate economic activity. But my concern is that most of the spending being pushed forward by the Democrats looks like a desperate attempt to buy votes in anticipation of a 2024 election. And for me, this isn't the time to be saddling the country with debt just to try and get another term. It's irresponsible uh, and it's never going to work. Listen, there was a guy called Alan Meltzer and Meltzer was a Federal Reserve scholar at Con. McGee Mellon and talking about government spending I think he summarized it well he said look never in history has a country that financed big budget deficits with large amounts of central bank money avoided incredibly high levels of inflation I think that tells people what they need to know there are no exceptions to this so it is very important to stop this wasteful spending otherwise inflation will be here
0: Uh, um, excuse me Go ahead. Uh, I, w- I want to go ahead and close, but I want to emphasize the fact that uh, uh, Philip is the economist uh, for Birch Gold. And he keeps up on this. I want to give him a chance, uh, maybe to send out an address there if they want to follow him more closely on what he's doing, because uh, he gets here periodically. But uh, and he's and, he, and, and so far we've had a lot of favorable comments about it. Uh, to go over some of these details that he goes over a little bit differently than than we do. But uh, uh, Philip, why don't you go ahead and uh, sign off and tell the. Uh, Uh, Tell the viewers what they can do if they'd like to uh, follow what you're writing and saying and doing a little more closely.
1: Yeah. So look, they can reach me uh, personally. I, you know, uh, I'm on, I have a a social media account on Getter. It's at Philip Patrick on Getter. Uh, And for some really good information for all of your listeners, uh, they just have to text secure, S-E-C-U-R-E to 989898. Again, that's secure to 989898.
0: Uh, Philip, I want to thank you once again for being with us today, and I want to thank our viewers for tuning in, and I hope you'll all return soon to the Liberty Report.